Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week, we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. I want y'all to hear this. No matter what I say this morning, mark it down that what this book says is the most important thing. What I say is fallible. I don't want you to spend half of your adult life trying to unlearn a lie you heard in the dumb sermon. Focus on what the Word says. Learn to get into God's voice. Learn to recognize that voice. That will be your guiding factor. Jesus will lead us. He will go out before us and protect us. We hope you find this message encouraging. So last week I started talking about this idea of finding clarity in the clouds. And if y'all weren't here, basically I was, I was struggling with what to put together and what to say. And I would pray, God, I need clarity for this message. God, I feel like I'm, my head is in a cloud. And it, it brought me into the Bible and I started seeing some clouds in the scriptures, and it kind of all started lining up for me. So what we learned last week is what? That we need vision, not sight. Do you all remember that? This idea that our eyes are human, and they will fail. Eventually, every pair of eyeballs in this room, unless the Lord comes back and takes us home, every pair of eyeballs in this room will eventually fail. My wife has been telling me for about the past five or six years, she worked for an eye doctor for many years. She doesn't anymore, but for many years she worked for a like an ophthalmologist, like a legit MD that works on eyes. And she has been like counting down the 40 clock. You know, when you turn 40, your eyes start to go. And uh, I didn't believe her because I have excellent vision. These glasses are fake. But uh, I'm going to tell you all that it's getting harder and harder to drive. I was telling her just like last week or the week before last, like I don't understand how all these people drive at night. It's so dangerous. I don't know. Maybe I need to. Maybe I need to quit worrying about my vision, my sight, and start worrying about my vision. What has God got laid out for our lives? Because the path that he has for us is it's set by him, so we should be able to make it there through him, correct? And we learned that, that God took the children of Israel in a roundabout way, and he used a cloud to guide them, and that you can't see past a cloud, so you have to travel in faith, right? I'm getting ahead of myself, but the idea was that, that we need to understand that God has already been there, Okay? Um, a lot of us in this room probably remember a time when, uh, I think it was Time Warner, their internet, like their slogan was, we're already there, or something like that, because it was this new thing where if you type in the address, the website would just pop up. Raise your hand if that's been your life, that you type in a website and it's there every time. Yeah, okay, front row. It wasn't always like that, guys. Even, even like after dial-up, it took it a minute sometimes. But God, we need to trust that God, wherever we're going, God has already been there. And he's seen the better path, and he's laid that out for us. We have a tendency to do what? We have a tendency to pray, God, give me direction in my life. Amen. Here I go. <laughs> I made it. Is this it? Is this? No? Okay. So we got to slow down. we got to quit trusting our sight and start trusting our vision. Do you all remember that? Our text today is from Numbers, chapter 9, starting in verse 15. Talking about some clouds. Numbers 9, starting in verse 15. On the day the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered it. But from evening until morning, the cloud over the tabernacle looked like a pillar of fire. We talked about that last week. This was the regular pattern. At night, the cloud covered the tabernacle as the appearance of fire. Whenever the cloud lifted from over the sacred tent, the people of Israel would break camp and follow it. And wherever the cloud settled, the people of Israel would set up camp. In this way... They traveled and camped at the Lord's command. Wherever he told them to go, they remained in their camp 
as long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we're about to get into it again. We're about to open your word. And I know that this message you have is not just for me, but it's for many of us in this room, hopefully all of us. So Holy Spirit, I ask that right now you would just make our hearts fertile ground. That these words that you have prepared would come and it would land on good soil and that we would all gather from this and we would all learn from this. And it's in Jesus' sweet name that we pray. Amen. When was the last time that you remember being lost? And what I mean like for real lost, not lost in the grocery store. Like lost. Think about that for a second while I open this. Like right now, that's right. Like for real, lost, as in you have zero bearings. I think we've probably all at some point been lost. If not, we will be soon enough. I can think of all kinds of times I was lost. My dad's here this morning. I can think of me and him hunting trips. I can think of one particular time where we got lost in the woods on a very, very cold day. When I was younger, many, many years ago, I was a rock star. I don't know if y'all knew that about me. I wasn't, but I was in bands. In one particular band, we were recording an album, an independent album, obviously, we weren't famous. And we were working on, like, the vocals and overdub guitar section, and we were working at a studio in the Woodlands. Y'all know where that is? The Woodlands near Houston. And we went on a Wednesday night to try to knock out some of the, uh, the background vocals and things like that. And the engineer that we were working with, he worked for a church. He had Wednesday night services. So we really couldn't get started till 9 or 9.30 on a Wednesday. And we needed to get in there, and it's by the hour. So we need to knock this out, put in the midnight oil, and knock this out as quick as we can. So long story short, we worked till probably, I don't know, 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock in the morning before we decided it's time to cut it off here and head back home. Now, uh, this may come as a surprise to you guys. I've been in many, many bands. And one thing remained true in every single band, and that was that I was the band dad. I was apparently the only responsible guy in the group. I was the one that always booked all the shows and always had all the financial stuff. All the band stuff went through my bank account. I took care of everything, and the rest of those guys were just sloppy musicians. And this band was no exception. Every band, this is not a joke, every band that I've been in, I've been given the nickname Dad by different groups of guys. Like five weeks into it, they're like, okay, Dad, and I become the band Dad. But, you know, man, you got to practice. But anyway, that's beside the point. So there's five of us in this band, and I'm the band dad, and I'm also the oldest, and I guess I'm 21 at this time. Our lead singer is like a year younger than me, about 20. And then the rest of the guys are 17, 17, and 15. So we pile up in two vehicles, my truck and the 17-year-old guitar player's truck. Drive to the woodlands, do the thing. Now it's 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning. It's time to head home. So we leave the woodlands, head north on 45 to Conroe, and get on 105 to head back to Beaumont. Are you guys, are you seeing this map in your brains? Okay. I had worked all day, and by the time we got to Conroe, I realized it was not safe for me to drive. So I had to relinquish my band dadism. And I had to let the lead singer of this band drive, which was never a good idea. A lot of people in this room know this guy, so I'm not going to use his name. But he was, well, he was good at singing. We'll say that. So I pulled over on the side of Highway 105 in Conroe, and I said, you got to drive because I'm tired. The other guys are going to follow us. Simple directions. Stay on this road. It goes to Beaumont. In our house, we lived in a house together at the time, and our house was blocks from where 105 intersects into 69 in Beaumont. I mean, just stay on the road because I'm tired. Okay, sure. Stay on the road, Dad. 
Okay. So I fell asleep. I woke up to the sun in my face. Now, guys, at 2 o'clock in the morning, we should have been at our house at 3.30. An hour and a half from Conroe to our house in the middle of Beaumont, nothing. In the middle of the night, it should be easy. The sun woke me up. It's like 7 o'clock in the morning. So I immediately know, one, I failed as a father, a band father. I sit up and I say, where are we? And he says, I don't know. I say, what happened? Apparently, there was either a wreck on the road or maybe some midnight construction. I don't know. But traffic was backing up. And a bunch of people were just whipping off onto other streets. So he decided he'd follow them. Here's the problem. These people weren't going to Beaumont. They were going to wherever. Maybe, I don't know, maybe they live by the lake. I don't know where. He followed and followed and followed until the last car that he was following turned into their driveway. So he just kept going for hours. Because how many of you know you never want to wake up dad? So I said, okay, man, pull over. Okay, now, this is not that long ago, so there were cell phones, but we didn't have cell phones. And there were GPS-type things, but we didn't have any of that. And I should have had a map in the glove box, but I didn't because we're going from the woodlands to Beaumont. Are you with me? (laughs) So we pull over. I make him get in the passenger seat. I go tell the poor kids in the back that are like 15, they're just driving, following 17. I don't know. How long does it take to get home from Conroe? I don't know. We got detoured. I'm going to get us out of this. Stay with me. I get in the car, and I just start driving because we have no bearing. I have no, I have no idea where we are because I just woke up to this. I have no idea where we are. So we're on like one of these little FMs, and uh, here comes on the cross street an 18-wheeler is pulling up to stop. We're on the main road. An 18-wheeler is pulling up to stop. I pulled over. They pulled over behind me, and the 18-wheeler came and turned and went, and I UE'd, and we followed that 18-wheeler. And he said, why are you following the 18-wheeler? I said, because I don't know where he's going, but there's somewhere. There's something where he's going, and that's a start. (laughs) And guys, 15 minutes later, we pulled into Conroe, Texas. (laughs) 7.30 in the morning. (laughs) And so, so I got us home, safe and sound, down the treacherous hour and a half drive of Highway 105. Look, we talked about this last week that you're following a cloud and it might feel like you're lost. And you feel like you might have a direction for your life, but God says, eh, we're going to go this way. We're going to take this detour. The children of Israel had a promise from God. It was a place, and they called it the promised land. And they knew where it was on the map. And when they were freed from Egypt, they had a direction. They knew we can go right to the promised land, but God said, ah, I'm going to take you around. Because Pharaoh wanted to keep them, but he didn't want to kill them. But God knew between there and the promised land was the Philistines who wanted to kill them. God had proven to them, I can free you from a past that wants to hurt you, but not a past that wants to kill you. i got to prove that to you. So he took them around. We talked about this last week. He pinned them up against the Red Sea, and Pharaoh's army came. So God proved to them, I can take you around to show you that I can make the way. Do you all believe that this morning? So the instructions from God were simple. Just follow the cloud. I can't see past the cloud, God. What do you mean? Just follow the cloud. God, I need more information. God puts us in a position in our lives where we just have to depend on him, and that's all there is to it. He wants us to follow in faith, not in facts. Following in facts is easy, and we start leaning back on the old eyeballs up here, and I already told you, they're going to fail us eventually. Our plans will fail 
eventually, given a long enough timeline, every scheme that you or I could ever come up with will fall apart. God's plan never fails. So if we quit worrying about the plan and start focusing on the provider, our direction will always be clear, even when we don't know where we're going. So we've got to learn to trust God, and we've got to learn to hear God's voice. John 10, 27. John 10, 27, Jesus talks about being the good shepherd. He talks about going up to the sheepfold and calling his sheep by name. And he says, because my sheep know my voice, they follow me. Young people, I want you all to hear this. No matter what I say this morning, mark it down that what this book says is the most important thing. What I say is fallible. I don't want you to spend half of your adult life trying to unlearn a lie you heard in a dumb sermon. Focus on what the word says. Learn to get into God's voice. Learn to recognize that voice. And that will be your guiding factor. Jesus will lead us. He will go out before us and he will protect us. Point number two last week was that we are surrounded. There's those children of Israel. They're following the cloud, like God said. And the cloud goes out over the water. And they got to stop at the water's edge. This doesn't make a lot of sense. This is about the time that Pharaoh says, hey, yo, go get my people back. And this time, let's kill them. Now there's an enemy that wants to kill them, and now they have no way of escaping. And up until this point, as we're reading through the book of Exodus, and we're in Exodus chapter 14 now, God's been leading them by a cloud, and the cloud has been mentioned several times. But this is the first time, and I think it's important, this is the first time that the Bible tells us that as the armies of Pharaoh came, and the children of Israel penned, and there's the cloud over the ocean, that the angel of the Lord came out from around the cloud and set himself between God's children and their enemies. Now, if you guys are in Petra, you know that the angel of the Lord is Jesus himself, that is Jesus appearing in the Old Testament. And so we discover that all along, Jesus has been with them and has been leading them and guiding them. John 10, verse 4, I believe it is, when Jesus is talking about those sheep knowing his voice, he says that, that I go out ahead of them and they follow me. And this is exactly what was happening to the children of Israel And this is exactly what happens in our daily lives. And we need to understand that. Because Jesus will put himself between your past, between where you've been, and he'll protect you from behind. And it's important to understand that because God wants us to follow forward. Jesus is going to protect us from behind. So when Jesus moved, the cloud followed it, Exodus 14 tells us. So... The Bible teaches us about our faith journey, and it describes it as being uh, what I like to call like up and up, like a continual, our faith journey from the time we meet Jesus and make that commitment to him. It's up and up. Yes, we make mistakes. Yes, we say, Jesus, take the wheel, but then argue with him about where we're going. But the process is a process of getting closer and closer and more like and more like Jesus. Uh, 2 Corinthians tells us that. that uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that we're becoming more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. And I think that's beautiful to think about, that you're constantly taking a step, and he's leading out ahead saying, come on, follow, and you're getting more and more like Jesus. But what we need to understand is that we tend to, we tend to view that past that we left behind as something that stops. And as we get closer to Jesus and we get more and more like Jesus, it's okay to kind of look back and just check on it. But I'm here to tell you this morning, that's not how it works. See, your past is going to always be one step behind you. 
You're going to get more and more like Jesus. You're going to get closer and closer to Jesus, but your past is always waiting in the wings, waiting for an opportunity to sneak up, waiting for an opportunity for you to fail. As we become more and more like Jesus, guys, as you become closer to Jesus, this is something that I struggle with, and I guarantee you every person in this room has struggled with this, and if you haven't thought about it like this, listen up. As you become closer to Jesus, you become more aware of the sin in your life. Don't let the enemy try to wedge in there and use that to make you feel like a failure in your faith walk. When you become more aware of the sin in your life, you need to understand it's because you're becoming closer to the sinless, perfect Jesus. Don't worry about the past. That's right there. Right behind you, every step of the way, following you. Don't worry about that. You'll become more and more aware of it, but it'll become less and less important as you realize that Jesus has put himself behind you. He's put himself between you and your past. It'll always be there. But Jesus, see, we can't walk with one eye on God and one eye on our past. You can't make progress like that. You've got to stay focused on that cloud. There's clarity in that cloud, and we've got to follow that cloud. Do you all believe that? Thirsty. And finally, this morning, I want to talk about the idea of staying in the cloud. We've discovered that, that the cloud is actually our direction. We can find clarity in that cloud. And we've discovered that that same cloud will surround us. It will come from behind and protect us from our past, from the enemies that want to get us. But guys, I'm here to encourage you this morning that we need to stay in that cloud. Numbers 9 tells us that when the tabernacle was finished, on the day the tabernacle was finished, the cloud came down and covered it. Well, what is tabernacle? What is that? What purpose does it serve? God gave specific instructions about this tabernacle, and it was simply a tent that they built, because they all lived, everything was tents, they were living in tents. It was a tent that they built that was there to house the presence of God. He gave specific instructions on how to build it, and check this out, he gave specific instructions that it would be placed in the center of all the tribes. Not high on a hill, not out somewhere, but right in the middle of all his children. He wanted a place for his presence to be right next to his children because God desires for us to be near to him and he will come to us to make it happen. He gave specific instructions on how to build it. He gave specific instructions on where to build it, but it was all because he wanted to be with his children. So the tabernacle now represents where God is. Because of what Jesus did for us and because of the work of the Holy Spirit, the tabernacle is no longer a tent or a building. It is the place where God's presence is. And if God wants to be with you, then wherever you are, whatever situation you're in, you can set up tabernacle right there. Many of you guys are hunters and you spend a lot of time alone in a deer stand. And I bet a lot of you guys spend a lot of good quiet time praying up there. That's tabernacle. You've built the ugliest tent to worship God in, but it, it serves a purpose. It works. Anywhere you are, you could be, I don't encourage this, but you could be in the back of a police car in handcuffs and say, God, I messed up. I need your presence. I need your wisdom. He's not going to be mad at you. He wants to be with you. My, my dad has, has joked about this for years, but it's absolutely true. This building, before it was a church, was a bar. And we've remodeled a lot of things, but not all the things. There's still some things that we need to, we need to change the carpet in the Petra in the kids' room. 
It still has cigarette stains in it. And in the men's bathroom, there is a drink rail. Now, in every bar in America, you go in the men's bathroom, there's a rail where you set your drink while you go to the bathroom. We still have that. Uh, but, yeah, to put your Bible on, it's the Bible rail. But my dad, is, my dad has said before, and I agree with him, it's true. Don't you know that there's been people praying on that rail years before this was a church? Somewhere around 2 o'clock on a Sunday morning. Oh, God. I'll never do it again. And that's funny, but that illustrates my point. God doesn't want you to be a drunk, but God wants to be with you. And he forgives you way, way, way before you forgive yourself. So God specifically instructed for his presence to be near his people. God wants to be near his people. God wants us to stay in the cloud. In Acts 27, we see our good buddy, the Apostle Paul, is heading off to Rome to be tried. It's not necessarily something he wants to do, but he knows it's responsibility, and they're traveling by ship across the sea. And at one point, they dock, and they go into this town for supplies, and they're getting ready to head back out, and like the winter is coming, the storms are coming. And Paul says to the ship's captain, hey, we shouldn't go out, because if we go out, we're going to get caught in a deadly storm. And of course, Paul essentially being a prisoner, they just say, whatever. They load back up and they head out. This is a large ship. This isn't the disciples in the rowboat with Jesus walking on the water. This is a large ship with like 250 people. There's sailors, there's soldiers, there's merchants, there's prisoners, there's Paul. And just like he said, they go out and a storm comes. And it's a bad one. The Bible tells us that they begin throwing the merchandise off the ship. Here's merchants. We talked about this last week. But seriously, these guys are going out for months at a time away from their family to sell their goods. That's the only source of income they have. They're going to work half a year to live a year. They're throwing it in the ocean because they want to survive. What good is having all this merchandise if we all drown? They're throwing this stuff off the ship so that the ship will raise up out of the water because the waves are crashing in. And it gets worse, and they struggle, and they fight. And the Bible tells us that for 14 days, they fought against this storm. Specifically, in a passage, Paul tells the guys, y'all need to eat because nobody's eaten for 14 days. Can you imagine how intense of a situation that for 14 days you wouldn't even think to eat because you're bailing water to save your life? But amongst that, in that time, remember what I said earlier about learning to know the voice of God? Somehow, Paul made a priority to have his quiet time. Because an angel visited him while he was praying. And here's what the angel told him. He said, the ship's going to crash. But if you stay on the ship, nobody will die. Can you imagine being Paul? First of all, I told you guys we shouldn't come out here. But I've got another message from God, and it goes like this. The ship's going to crash, but we've got to stay on the ship. The only way we survive is if we stay on the ship. It got so intense, some of the sailors began to realize, because this is what they were, they began to realize, I think we're coming close to to ground. So they did their depth measuring thing. Eh, It's a little shallow here. And in in a minute they did it again, it was more shallow. And they realized that the wind is driving them straight into the ground. They put out all the anchors. They did all the sailing thing. I don't know. I don't sail. 
They did everything they could to slow the ship down, and it wasn't slowing down. And the sailors said, we got to get in these life rafts and get off this boat because it's about to crash. And Paul said, no, I told you the ship is going to crash. You've got to stay in the ship. To survive, we've got to stay in the ship. Somehow, Paul convinced the soldiers, and they cut the ropes. They cut off the life rafts. That was it. The ship is going down, and we're going down with it, because I believe this man. And as we all know, the ship did crash, but not a man died, because they obeyed God. They had to stay in the ship, though. Sometimes for us in our lives, I think it's like that, where we need to stay in that ship, or stay in the cloud, if it's an area of confusion, but if it's, if it's a situation that is tense and unrelenting, you can say stay in the ship. I told you earlier uh, about a time when me and my dad were hunting and got lost. And, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago when we had this, like, really cold weather, it was one of those kind of November days here in southeast Texas, very cold and windy and rainy. And this was a long time ago, and I don't know if it's still like this or not, but dad was able to find and get us from time to time permits to where we could hunt on public land. I guess maybe overpopulation, I don't know. Um, so this wasn't like setting up a deer stand type thing, setting up a deer feeder type thing. This was you're going to a place in the big thicket and you're going into the woods trying to find a spot where you think deer are going to come walking up and you shoot them. So this particular morning, that's exactly what we did. We drove and pulled over. I don't know exactly where this was, somewhere. Pulled over on the side of the road and got out of the El Camino and just walked into the woods in, in the dark. Two shotguns, two flashlights, a duffel bag with a twenty-two pistol and way too much ammo and a cooler with drinks, I'm sure. So we walked into the woods until he found a spot that we thought was suitable, that he thought was suitable. I'm like probably 11 or 12. And we sat down and we waited. And <laughs> like every deer hunting trip that I've ever been on with my father, we saw nothing. That's okay, I'm the firstborn. My little brother's got all kind of good hunting. So after a while, he said, okay, well, let's try a different spot. So we moved to a different spot, and we hung out there for a bit. Nothing. Now morning's getting late, the sun's out. You know, it's not going to happen. Well, what do we do? We're out here. Let's explore. We walked around, and we saw where a, a tree had fallen over, and so the roots had ripped up out of the ground. And we had that twenty-two pistol, so let's have a little target practice. So we sat and we shot the pistol, and that was fun. I had a good time that day. So, okay, mid-morning has become late morning. It's time to get back. So let's head back. So we start to head back, and we hadn't gone very far, and Dad says, you know, I'm not sure where we are right now. I think we're lost. Eh, okay. Not a big deal, right? I mean, we walked from the road what, maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes into the woods. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. We're at the most 30 minutes away from the highway. We just need to be sure we walk towards the highway and not away from the highway. We had that duffel bag, but no compass, I guess. So we walked. And it wasn't long. I'll never forget this. My dad was going out ahead of me like a father would. And I was being 11 or 12 or whatever I was. And just enjoying the moment instead of paying attention to what was going on. You know, dad had... He had both the guns. He had the duffel bag and the cooler. I didn't have to carry any of that stuff. I'm just goofing around, and I tripped, and I fell into a puddle and was completely 
head to toe, submerged in water. It's like 27 degrees. The wind's blowing. We don't know where we are, and now I'm soaked to the core. Now there's a little bit of concern. Well, we got to keep moving. Dad is looking at the big trees and getting his bearings, and I begin to complain about how cold I am. I begin to shake uncontrollably, and I begin to then lag behind. Dad, I'm cold. I know, son, come on, we got this. Dad, I'm cold. And finally, as I'm complaining, he just stopped, and he turned around and he walked up to me. And those shotguns, they weren't in cases, they were in, like, bags. They took that shotgun off his shoulder and he put it on my shoulder. And he took that other gun and he put it on my shoulder. He took that duffel bag from around his neck and he put it around my neck and he handed me the cooler and he said, you carry this and let's go. To this day, I can feel the ache in my shoulders from those shotguns. I went from miserable to I don't know what. I mean, this is the worst experience of my life. We had had this whole, and to me it was fun, we had had this whole fun morning and I didn't have to deal with the burden of all those things. I was just out with my dad having fun. And the situation took a turn that I didn't understand and life threw a curveball at me and soaked me and I'm soaking wet in 27 degree weather. And when I tell my dad I can't take it anymore, he just gives me all the stuff to carry. Have you ever felt like God has done that to you? Like you get hit with a burden or a situation in your life and you pray to God for relief and another burden just comes crashing in? I said, Dad, it's heavy. I'm whining. Guys, I was a whiner. Dad, I can't do this anymore. Why, Dad? And he stopped and he looked at me and he said, Son, we're going to get out of here. I don't want you to worry about that. I'm going to get us out of here. But right now, that extra weight It's keeping your heart beating that much faster, and it's keeping your body temperature up. And I need you to stay with it so that we can get out of here and get you home safe. And I'm here to tell you this morning that your Heavenly Father loves you. And what you think is a burden, and what you think is unfair, and when you think think your dad's just being lazy and putting stuff on you, that's not the case at all. That sickness is going to build an immunity in your life, not your physical body, but in your spiritual life, that you will stand up on the other side of cancer and have a testimony for every day for the rest of your life. Those situations that you're going through, that job that is beating you up is going to build something in you to get you through what you don't see coming. So when God takes you around and you don't understand why, I'm telling you to trust in your Father and stay in the cloud. 